Hi, welcome to Grief Talk, the podcast where we talk about grief. I'm Susanna, and I'm joined here with my co-host and sister and doula and lifelong BFF, <laughs> Sarah. Hey, Sarah, how you doing? I'm great. That's quite the introduction. I know. The list just keeps getting longer it and does. longer. It's I wish there were crazy. acronyms for all those things I could put on my business card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Well, Sarah and I just want to um, use this episode today as kind of like a, uh, a wrap-up for season one of Grief Talk. You know, this podcast has been on our hearts for quite some time and actually, you know, executing it and um, recording these episodes for season one, which means that there will be more seasons um, and the direction we take, we're, you know, still mapping that out. Um, but it, it has been such a... A, a rewarding and healing journey. Um, and I just first and foremost want to say thank you, um, Sarah, for... <laughs> oh, thank me? <laughs> yeah, thank you. No. Um, for just even entertaining this idea with me. Mm. Um, and I think it's really cool that we both kind of came up with this together mm-hmm. um, in our own time. And this has just been really precious. Yeah. Um, for me personally, as the big sister, to get to do this with you. And um, also thank you to our listeners um, for the people that have, you know, whether you've just kind of picked which episodes feel right or if you've been along on this, you know, journey the whole time. Um, we we want to say thank you to you for listening and, um, you know, supporting us with this. Because obviously talking about grief is not a lighthearted thing to do or an yeah. easy thing to do. It's not very glamorous. Um, no, it's not glamorous, but it's real life. It so, is. Um, so just a big thank you all around. Mm, well, thank you, Suze. I yeah. love you. I could not ask for a more supportive sister. Well, I love you too. But I've got two of them. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best part. I've got two super supportive sisters. Yeah, you're, sisters. you're surrounded by two Enneagram 6 sisters. Uh, yes. So you are a blessed woman. I sure am. Um, you are protected from that's sh- all angles. From, that's very true. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, So with that being said, um, we wanted to spend today's episode, um, honestly, as a wrap up, just talking about some of our favorite memories with Leland, um, because this whole podcast is, you know, because of him and because of our stories. And um, I just think it'd be a really beautiful way to wrap up season one, just to share a few of our favorite memories, which is actually a lot harder to do because there's so many memories. It's like, how do you pick, you know, the top three or four? Um, But we tried our best. So Mm -hmm. Sarah, do you have anything to add? Do you want to jump right in? How are you feeling? You know, I feel good. I just want to say one thing quickly. I think we have already told our audience this, but we were homeschooled and very proud. I don't know if we told anyone. Okay, maybe we haven't. But if we haven't, you know, newsflash, we were homeschooled. Yeah, shout out homeschool. Shout out to mom. Absolutely. We baked our own bread and everything. We were, we were a real homeschool family. We were trendsetters. Like y'all think sourdough started in 2020. Um, heck no. It started in like 1990 something yes. in our parents' kitchen. Absolutely. Uh, somebody recently asked me, well, first of all, I, somebody, I, I know a, a, a friend, like an acquaintance was, 
found out that I was homeschooled. Like I had said, oh, well, I was homeschooled. Like they were like, oh, you remember in elementary school when we used to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, no, nope. I was I was homeschooled. I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, I went to school in my living room. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you were homeschooled? People are always so shocked. You're so normal, You're though. so normal. Normal is homeschooling. And I'm like, oh, you must not know me that well. <laughs> Honey, I am not normal. <laughs> uh, anyway, but they asked me, are you glad you were homeschooled? Oh, that's a great question. And I said yes for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, it taught me a lot about, I, I'm, a, I'm a very driven and self-motivated person. I think a lot of it has to do with being homeschooled. But really the biggest reason why I'm thankful that I was homeschooled is because I have years and years of memories with Leland mm-hmm. that I would not have had if we had been in two separate classrooms for eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. And obviously... You know, that's not why our parents homeschooled us. You right. know, we had no idea that that he was going to pass away when he was young. Uh, but I just want to say I'm so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude that I have some of these memories that I don't think I would have necessarily had if we yeah. if we hadn't been together. Yeah. So much. Yeah. So. Anyway. We were each other's classmates. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> School time, anyone? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Moving right really along. On. <laughs> uh, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Um, I'll go ahead and start. This okay. is Susanna. So I have four memories that I just wrote down because they were the first four that came to my mind. But then after I wrote them down, I just kept thinking of other memories that are great. But you know what? The great thing is this is our podcast and we can record However many episodes we want Absolutely. to talking about our favorite memories this with Leland. our show. Our show. No one else's. Um, okay. So the first one that I have <laughs> is actually back to childhood um, with uh, Leland and I. And I'm trying to remember. I can't remember exactly how old we were. But I was definitely elementary aged. And Leland must have been like early middle school. So I don't know, third grade and like sixth grade or Mm -hmm. something like that. And uh, for whatever reason, it was just the two of us at our grandmother's house one afternoon. And I remember it must have been the summertime because it was uh, very, very warm outside. But um, and our grandma must have told us to go outside and play because, you know, big personalities. (laughs) (laughs) so um anyway uh our grandparents have kind of a a bigger like back inside yard and um and Leland had just an incredible imagination and this was also around the time when like Star Wars was coming out with you know episode one two you know three and uh we just lived and breathed Star Wars and so Leland found two um yardsticks and choreographed a whole lightsaber duel with me and being the little sister like I did not want to do a lightsaber duel like that sounded like the dumbest stuff like I would rather just like go inside and like just sit on the couch or whatever or like do anything other than a choreographed lightsaber duel dance or whatever and so um anyway but I went along with it and it ended up being such a fun afternoon and I mean granted the time went by really quickly too but I mean this was a very intense duel like there were jumps there were um like I don't want to say twirls that sounds kind of like sissy but like (laughs) you know like if you watch a Jedi in a lightsaber duel like they're like jumping and you know whatever and um 
if we if well if I messed up Leland would make me start over and we would do the the duel again and it was just such a, a fun um it ended up being a, a fun afternoon even though I didn't want to start it but I just don't know why but that's just a memory that I just hold in my heart with my brother and um you know I still love Star Wars you know big fan of the originals and um, it's just a sweet memory. It, sweet. It's sweet and it's silly. Yeah. I think we, as younger sisters, cause for a while, it was several years before Dawson was born, before Leland got a brother, uh, <laughs> we became props in his, um, sometimes slightly dangerous, uh, oh, that is mayhem. A, that is a great way to describe us. Like, we truly were props. When, um, the razor did, scooter. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm so glad you said that. So I didn't have this written down, but, um, when we had this ramp, it was like a little skateboard, like plastic ramp. Cause Leland went through a skateboarding phase. He did that ended with stitches yes anyway (laughs) uh, he would have us lay down like at the end of the ramp so that he would like jump over us yeah in the middle of the road yeah and it was always like the trick he'd be like hey you know have a friend over hey watch this here let me get let me get my eight-year-old little sister to lay down here in the middle of the street yeah there were also like airsoft guns i mean there's just you know we we truly were props i know i'm I'm telling you there's so many memories uh, okay, well, I'll share one uh, here real quick. This is a really sweet memory that I have of us um, kind of more in our teenage years. Uh, this happened, uh, this isn't quite as funny of a memory, but it just is one I hold very tenderly. Uh, it was when the Hunger Games came out, which I know I looked up. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was 2008, the Hunger Games book. Okay. The first one came out. And uh, Leland had just recently gone through a breakup. He was... I don't know, 18, 19, maybe. And uh, that would have made you maybe a sophomore in high school and mm-hmm. me seventh grade, eighth grade. And, um, you know, as a 19 year old boy going who had gone through a breakup, he was a little mopey and a little droopy. And um, the idea that you had, and this is very much you being the director of the family that you are, uh, you directed him to, we were in your bedroom. Mm hmm. And you directed him to, you know, lay down. He had said something. I don't know what it was, but he had said something about his eyebrows. Like he was a little self-conscious, self-conscious about his, yeah. his eyebrows or something. Um, and you sat on your bed and you ha- you got your tweezers and you had him lay in my lap. And you read out loud the Hunger Games to us mm-hmm. while I plucked his eyebrows <laughs> And it sounds really kind of weird, and I know it does, but it was just sweet. And, mm-hmm. you know, in that phase of our life as teenagers, we weren't going to sit there and talk about, you know, how he was sad or disappointed. Right. Or, we didn't have the emotional, like, bandwidth or capacity no, to, like, or know how to do that. To yeah. know how to handle that. And so, you know, we comforted him in the way that we knew how to, which was to get his mind off of it and to fix a, you know, a, a, something that he had that he wasn't happy with. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. I just, I look back at that memory and it's just very tender. I remember that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sweet. That is. Um, Okay. So the second memory that I have um, written down here, this is Susanna, is um, one that involves hot chicken. So if you know Leland, you know that he loved hot chicken and that was just kind of like his thing. Um, So anyway, we, you know, live in Nashville, so it's kind of the perfect place to live if you love Absolutely. hot chicken. But I remember there was one day where Leland and I, um, I was, oh gosh, 
I think I was like fresh out of college, but he was living back here in Nashville. And, um, I came in for the weekend and we just like ran around Nashville one day. <laughs> like, I mean, we were just tearing the city down and just doing what we do best. Just, you know, whatever. And, uh, we stopped at Hattie B's to grab some hot chicken for, um, lunch. And I don't care for spicy foods. I am very delicate. <laughs> um, I have a very delicate palate. Um, so I, when I ordered my hot chicken, I just got like, I don't know, the tenders and kept it mild. Mm-hmm. And then of course got the banana pudding because got to get that. Got to have it. Um, and then Leland, uh, you know, was a risk taker and to he put it lightly loved uh pushing the boundaries on how much heat he could handle when it came to food um so he would typically you know if you've been to Hattie Bee's you know that there's um you know certain levels of heat that you can get for your chicken so um the second hottest heat you can get uh level is called the damn hot and that's what Leland would typically get um, but the person who was taking our order was like, you could probably handle the the next one up. And so what did Leland do? He ordered the shut the cluck up, which was the <laughs> hottest heat level or the highest heat level that you could get for your chicken. Oh my gosh. Um, and also in true Leland and Susanna fashion, we just ordered the food. We didn't get drinks. And so we ordered it to go and, um, got in his car and we were driving and he, um, pulled over cause he wanted to eat some of his chicken. And so we pulled over and I still remember exactly where we were. We were over close to the, um, municipal auditorium mm-hmm. and just pulled into like a little, uh, street parking, um, space. And, you know, at that point I had had my tenders and I was working on my, you know, banana pudding and it was just really good. And, Leland opened up his to-go box with the shut the cluck up chicken in it. And it was literally, I've never seen this color before, but it was like straight up radioactive purple. <laughs> like radioactive. I'm not kidding. Um, and it was just one of those things where it was like, okay, you're, you're going to do some damage to yourself, For but sure. go ahead, bud. You ordered this. So he ate, you know, a few bites of the shut the cluck up. And then quickly realized he didn't have a drink. And also, you know, when you eat hot chicken, they serve it over um, a piece of white bread. Well, you can't eat the white bread because the white bread has already soaked up the hot juices. So you're really not doing any service to yourself um, by doing that. You really need like a glass of milk, honestly, to extinguish uh, what you've just done to your mouth. Might I add a glass of whole Whole milk, (laughs) non-homogenized Milk organic milk from a local local farmer. Yes, love that Sarah. Thanks. Um, so anyway, it was just like I remember laughing so hard at him oh because he. This sounds bad, but like he was in so much pain. But it's like, <laughs> of course you're in pain. Look at the radioactive purple right. I chicken mean, you're it's eating. Self inflicted. It sir. is self inflicted, and it was so funny. And there was a lot of snot. Like he just <laughs> couldn't stop. Like there was just a lot of snot. There were a couple tears, and thankfully. Uh, we weren't too far from Nissan Stadium. Um, and at Nissan, there's like this, um, you know, little convenience store not too far from the parking lot. And he ran in there and got a Mountain Dew or something um, to, uh, you know, help offset the heat. But that was just such a fun day running around, you know, Nashville with Leland. And everything was always so much fun with him, too. I mean, mm-hmm. even if, you know, 
we were getting, you know, the oil changed in the car. It mm-hmm. would have been a lot of fun. But uh, I just remember that being so comical, just that watching funny. that whole process unfold of him, first of all, ordering shut the cluck up chicken and then eating it. And then realizing he doesn't have a drink. And I had already eaten all of my banana pudding, so I couldn't offer that. And then watching him just, like, panic buy a soft drink in this, like, gas station by Nissan Stadium. I mean, it just, it truly was hysterical. That is pretty funny. I um, I was with him once when we bought, uh, we were getting wings. And he, there was one, there was like ghost pepper wings, which I guess are super duper spicy. Yeah. He was like, oh yeah, I'm going to order that. It literally came with a warning that said I believe it. not to touch your eyes <laughs> <laughs> while you ate it. <laughs> yeah, I could get screwed up a little bit. Oh man. Um, okay. Well, my next uh, memory with Leland um, is a, is a pretty funny one. So <clears throat> Leland had a very endearing to him, not to me, nickname for me when I was growing up. He called me Sarah Ludi. Uh, my parents would call me Sarah Lou, but he he would call me Sarah Ludi, and I didn't like it because to me it sounded like lunatic, and I felt insulted by it for whatever dumb sensitive reason. So uh, he would call me Sarah Ludi, and I would get mad and and whatever. So uh, as I previously mentioned, we were homeschooled, uh, not all the way through. I, I did start going to public school when I was in eighth grade. Uh, which, as you can imagine, as a 13 What a time to enter into the public school system. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just as awkward as they get. So it was my first day of school, of eighth grade, and my first day of school in August was the exact same day that he had to go move back into college. And so he wrote a letter to me and left it at the front office at my middle school on my very first day of middle school. And at the middle school I went to, we would eat in the cafeteria and, um, man, this memory. I laugh about Are you it like now. in the cafeteria right yes. now? Like, do you visualize it? I, you know, I laugh about it now, but like, it was so traumatic <laughs> when I was there. Anyway, so in the cafeteria, there's all these tables with all these like rug rats eating lunch, causing problems. And at the front, the gym teacher would sit, this real tall, big gym teacher and he had a microphone, and it, uh, on the PA system, he would just yell at the kids, like, hey, you need to go clean up your mess, stop throwing food, whatever. Or, like, if somebody needed to go to the nurse or something, he would call up their name. So the lady in the front office brought the gym teacher this letter that Leland had written me, and he had addressed it to Sarah Ludi. That's it. Did not put my last name on it. <laughs> so the gym teacher gets it turns on the microphone and says in front of the entire middle school or however many kids were in there uh there is a note here for a sarah ludy <laughs> and i was mortified i was so mortified i slowly walked to the front of the cafeteria got the letter and i was so embarrassed and, you know, I'm, I was my first day of school. I just started to make friends. They're starting to learn my name. They're like, what's that? And I was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but it was a really sweet note that he wrote me about, you know, I'm sorry I didn't get to see you today before I moved back to college. I love you so much. I'm sure it was something really supportive. But um, anyway, and then, you know, after that, I just, I, I slowly became totally fine with him calling me Sarah Ludi. Yeah. It, it, it became a very loving and endearing nickname to me after that. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I, I hold that one close to my heart. That's for sure. That one's so funny. 
Um, so my next memory that I have, memory three out of four, um, is a very special day that actually involved me, Leland, and Sarah. Um, so Sarah, you were an accomplice in this. Um, like I usually was. Like you usually were, exactly. Um, so growing up, Sarah and I had this whole like huge Rubbermaid container of Barbies and Barbie accessories. And we had like, we didn't have the huge dream house, but we had the kind that like collapsed up. And then we had a couple of Barbie cars and our Barbie game we took very seriously. We had two um, Barbie cars. I had a yellow slug bug and you had the, the blue Mustang, the blue Mustang. Mm-hmm. with the soft, the soft top yes. convertible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Um, so we literally spent hours playing like hours and hours and hours playing with Barbies. Yes. So, um, anyway, there was one day, um, like a lot of our childhood where our mom had to run errands. <laughs> um, and so she was either at the grocery store, the post office, you know, the, the bank, bank. One Always of those three. Yeah. And in looking back, she probably was just spending some alone time. Yeah. I, I don't blame she her. She was probably trying not to cry because yeah. we were so crazy. She probably took the long way home. <laughs> um, well, on this particular day, uh, the three of us decided, which we were young. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if Dawson and Millie were born yet. Da- no, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so Leland was in middle school. I was probably in elementary school. You were definitely in elementary school. Yeah. Um. So we decided to, and you'll have to correct me, Sarah. I don't know whose idea was it. Leland's. I'm sure it this had. Was to, okay, this idea. had to have been Leland's idea because we would have never it done this on was our not own. Mine, <laughs> I think it was his. But um, we decided to take our Barbies and have Barbie upside down day. So you're probably asking yourself, Susanna, what does that mean? (laughs) Barbie upside down day? Well, listener, it means exactly what it sounds like. Um, it means Barbies and a whole lot of masking tape and a bedroom ceiling. So, um, this was my bedroom by the way. So one of us went and found a huge roll of masking tape and we literally made the most intricate designs Um, with the masking tape on the ceiling, like roads, we basically had like, it was like a whole community. It was a whole community exactly of Barbies taped upside down on the ceiling. Um, every single one of them, like their feet were taped up. It was very intense. The wheels of the Barbie Mustang were taped up there. I mean, it was intense. It was a whole like afternoon project for sure. Um, and you know, we were really proud of it too. All three of us, like we had done something that had never been done before, you know, and we used our ingenuity and our creativeness or creativity and, you know, just absolutely, you know, nailed it. So we thought, so what do you do when you're really excited with some, you know, innovative thing you want to show your mom? And so as soon as mom got home, we brought her upstairs, we did not get the reaction that we thought we were going to. We also didn't realize that masking tape pulls paint off of the walls or yeah, the if ceiling. If you use enough of it, yeah, it'll do some with serious enough, damage. With enough force, um, that's what happens. And so uh, I, I'm sure we were disciplined shortly after. Um, but 
that was just like such a fun day because I I just remember like the three of us just spending that quality time together mm-hmm. and doing something really fun and silly and then you know also getting in trouble together mm-hmm. but like that was just I think a really great peek into that and the lightsaber duel are a really great peek into what I think our childhoods looked like yes you know and how Leland coped with having so much estrogen in his life exactly <laughs> he's like well if we're gonna play with Barbies we might as well stick them upside down absolutely with masking tape you have to keep it interesting exactly you know the funny thing too is Sue's that it took off a lot of the paint off of the ceiling and mom and dad left it like that for so yeah. many years and then when they painted over it it made me sad and me too and I, I mean I was I think I was either in high school or college when it they looked painted over horrible it, it looked like... really bad but it was this really sweet like you know memory yeah and um I was not prepared for yeah. when it was painted over but it yeah. took many years yeah um okay well the next one the next memory that I have also has to do with our home uh and one summer Leland went to Canacuck camps when he was I guess in middle school and while he was gone, um, you know, dad painted his bedroom, uh, which you previously mentioned he was into airsoft guns for a minute. And I, do you remember that like target he had or something? He would just shoot the wall. Yeah. And it was just a wall that had all these like. Like little like airsoft bullet like yes. divots. <laughs> yeah. So needless to say, the room needed a little bit of love. So at this particular moment uh, in, you know, pop culture history, there was the show that I was absolutely obsessed with. And it was um, called Trading Spaces Kids. So uh, Trading Spaces was a show, I guess it was on HGTV or something. Where, yeah, like, people it had would, been. Yeah, they would like switch houses and do each other's houses, which like now that I think about that, I would literally never let somebody do that to my house, but that's fine. Anyway, um, so on Saturdays, a show came on called Trading Spaces Kids where it was like it was kids and they would trade bedrooms and decorate each other's bedrooms. And it was like, oh, um, you like old movies? Okay, your entire room is an old movie theater. It's like Extreme Home Makeover when Ty would like, oh, your kid likes fish. Well, here's here's a bedroom that's an aquarium. They're sleeping in a clam now. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, so anyway, I loved the show and I loved getting to see like after the rooms were done and they show the kid for the first time, they freak out and everything okay so dad painted the room and um it was car themed it was car themed yes because Leland was way into cars then he got car and driver magazine and um do you remember those little model cars he had too yeah that like orange Lamborghini Mm -hmm. you could open the doors yes yeah yeah um but we weren't allowed to play we were not allowed to play with those because the doors were probably would have taped them to the ceiling let's be honest so uh so anyway uh one of the walls was painted this bright yellow that was some you know like Ferrari yellow yeah Yeah. some some sports car he liked and he got home from Canacut camp and I me I staged our own trading spaces kids but it was just one bedroom (laughs) just one bedroom (laughs) and I don't think I told anybody that like this was me like living out this incredible dream that I had I love it trading spaces kids so um I had Leland, you know, wait outside and I wanted to be inside and see his reaction and made him close his eyes and the whole thing and uh, reveal his room to him. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't think anybody knew about it at the time, but it was just a sweet thing that I wanted and a way to surprise him. And anyway, I just and he totally played along. He was so sweet and he was like 
you picked this out. This is so great. You oh, know, yeah. He's very enthusiastic. If it was anything, he, anything, I mean, just so supportive and would just totally play along Absolutely. and go along with everything. Absolutely. So I, I loved that he let me have my Trading Spaces kids moment uh, in that in that one time in, in history. I just love that you got to live out your dream. Oh, me too. I love that for How me. How cool. Yeah. So cool. Um, so my final memory I'm going to share today um, was uh, a memory that Leland and I, gosh, there's like so many other ones that I want to share. It's like, man, do I want to share this one or another one? Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to share a different memory. because I'm calling an like, audible. Yeah, I'm calling an audible. Okay. <laughs> Just thinking about Leland and I running around Nashville. So... Um, <laughs> This was, I was in college. I was a junior and Leland was out of college living back in Nashville. And, um, I had just broken up with like my college boyfriend. Mm. Um, and it wasn't that serious of a relationship, but it was like probably the most serious relationship I had had up to that point. <laughs> and, uh, I remember I, I, I had broken up with this guy and I was, you know, going to leave for, um, the summer I was moving to, um, South Africa for a business internship. And Leland was so excited, um, that I had, you know, I had this like unique window of time, mm-hmm. um, and that I was single because he was also single. And if there was anything that Leland and I did really in this season of life was like, just kind of commiserate about like how dating sucks, mm-hmm. you know, like it just, there are parts of it that just really suck. Yeah. You know? And at the same time being each other's wingman, of oh, course. Oh, 100%. I didn't have to share him with, you know, a girlfriend. He didn't mm-hmm. have to share me, you know, with a boyfriend. Like it was just great. Like we had this like uninterrupted yeah. time spent together. And so anyway, uh, when I was dating this um, particular guy, I had turned 21, but I didn't get that big 21st birthday hoorah because the guy I was dating was a few months younger than me and we just like didn't have that big, you know, 21st birthday party, whatever, which I was totally okay with. But the first thing Leland said to me when I told him that I had broken up with this guy was, well, um, he said something, but I'm not going to repeat it because it wasn't very nice about the guy. But he, he said, he was like, Susanna, I'm going to give you the 21st birthday you never got. And if you know Leland, um, I mean, man, buckle up because yeah. you really don't know what that's going to entail. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, I remember he took this job of throwing me a little 21st birthday party just with the two of us so seriously. He um, got tickets for us to go to Canary Ballroom to see Portugal the Man. And, mm. um, and then we just, I mean, we were just a riot up and down midtown like we just kind of parked ourselves and the night ended where I wore heels because the guy I dated wasn't you know he was about my height and so I never really wore heels but like now I was like well I'm gonna wear heels tonight jokes on me my feet were not prepared so I ended up walking around at the end of the evening or early morning at that oh, point no. without my shoes on no shoes <laughs> and Leon and I ended the night at Broadway Brew House at like 3 a.m eating chicken wings and he was talking really it wasn't a conversation it was more of a monologue um, (laughs) of him 
uh, telling me about like some Game of Thrones conspiracy because Game of Thrones was really big at that point. Of course. Um, but I just remember like that was such a fun memory because you know, I wasn't particularly heartbroken over this breakup, but Leland was just so excited to take care of me. Mm -hmm. And like, how does he take care of you? He takes you to a show. Mm -hmm. He shows you a good time. And then you end the night eating chicken wings and talking about whatever the popular show is. And so it was just really, really precious. And I just remember he was, I just distinctly remember him telling me, I'm going to give you the 21st birthday you never had. And I was oh, and like, and I know he was dead serious about it too. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I think it was also really exciting for him too, that now I was old enough to legally drink. And yeah. so he had a buddy to go to these shows with. Cause yeah. there were many occasions where he would call me on the way to a show. Cause no one wanted to go see that band with him mm-hmm. or no one was available to go see that band with him. And, um, I wasn't 21, so I couldn't get into, you know, the bar where the show was going to be or whatever. And so um, that was that was just a really special mm, night. That is real. My sweet. feet hurt so bad the I next day, though. I can only imagine. And I'm so glad I didn't, like, step in glass or whatever because, like, yeah. or, like you, you walked know, around get Midtown. Tetanus. Yeah, if you walked around Midtown, then. Uh... You know. Not a great place for bare feet. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a similar last memory uh, involving music, the national music scene. Uh at this point in in my relationship with Leland, we were becoming closer because our age gap was, I mean, the age gap wasn't getting smaller, but the developmental <laughs> gap was getting smaller. Uh, so I had just turned 18 and uh, that would have made Leland 24. And uh, he was living in Nashville and Lightning 100, his favorite radio station, uh, was did their very first, and this is something that they still do every year, but they did their very first Music City Mayhem, uh, which is a, it's a live music competition, and it's been a little bit different with COVID now, but um, how it was. Super cool concept. Very cool concept. So basically how it worked then was uh, these, it was like a battle of the bands, and the people who came would vote for the band that they liked the most, and then that band would get one song on rotation on the radio station, and then they also got to play a set on uh, Live on the Green. Which is huge, huge if you're here in Nashville. Nashville. Yes. Um, so anyway, we went, it was a Saturday, I think, and we started the day. It was National Record Store Day, which I'm sure is probably not a real thing. Grimey's probably just made it up. But uh, Grimey's... Uh, but we also made up Barbie Upside Down Of day. course. And that's a very real thing for us. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Grimey's, which is a, a record store uh, in Nashville, they had this big festival for, um, or it wasn't really big. You know, it was like hipster big. Um, You're showing off how local you are, by the I'm way. I'm so local. Uh, I'm such a hipster. Um, so anyway, they had this, uh, they had some live music and we had a real good time. And then, um, you know, me and Leland in our very advanced palettes chose to have um, lunch at Popeye's. So we had Popeye's chicken. So good. And red beans and rice <laughs> for lunch. And um, then we, or I think we had like a late lunch and then we went to live on the green and he actually knew somebody. You mean music City I'm sorry, Mayhem. Music City yeah. Mayhem. Thank you. Uh, we, he knew somebody who was playing in one of the bands. And so he was like, I'm going to vote for my friend. He really deserves this. You know, this is really fun. And um, we got there and there was another band he liked more. <laughs> and he was like, okay, here's what we do. You vote for that one. I'll vote for this one. And uh it was just really fun. It was super fun. I was 18. I got to go, you know, I got my little wristband, you know, I got the color wristband that was like, don't serve this kid a drink. Um, but 
that's such a cool experience it was so fun and like I remember like I mean obviously all of these bands had to play I think they all played like two or three songs so it was a long thing because there's probably five different bands and um you can imagine like that takes a long time and so um you know the enthusiasm of the audience can just kind of like change and I mean he was front row and I was right there with him like ears about to get blown out with the speakers like and literally high-fiving like the bass yes exactly yeah in yeah. like kind of like how me and you say like oh you're my woo girl like he was like the woo girl he was like yeah man yeah yeah somebody would have a solo or uh the, the song would end or it, it was like it was like he had heard these bands his whole life and he was getting to hear them for the first time live. So encouraging. Yes. Yeah. And these were people he had never heard of before. And these are like local bands. Yes. That, I mean, Nashville has incredible talent here. You, you, I remember dad used to say growing up, you turn over rock and there's a musician, you Absolutely. know, I mean, they're just everywhere, but they're so talented. And that was the, the really cool thing about going to a show with Leland is it didn't matter if it was a local show or if it was a you know, kind of like a, a bigger named band or whatever. Um, I mean, he, you got his full attention if yes. you were the band. And he, I remember he told me, well, actually, sorry, are you done with your story? I had one more thing, but keep going. Okay. No, you, you tell okay. your story. Sorry. I just, I just totally cut you no, off. You're totally fine. Um, I just remember like us being in the front row and like, this is the first time I had done something like kind of wild and crazy like that. And um, actually at this point in my life, I had never been to a concert before. Um, but I loved live music and I loved going with him and, um, we like just danced, like danced, crazy dancing, um, it kind of jumped up and up and down with the B and stuff. And I remember the next day, my calves being sore mm. from how long we stood and jumped and danced and wooed for the bands that were on the stage. And it was just, ugh, it was, it was so, so, so fun. That's a great memory. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just what, what I was going to say just kind of is totally in line with that is, you know, Leland had told me at one point, Nashville is like notorious for being really hard on musicians, mm -hmm. um, like the crowd being really hard and being really critical oh, of interesting. musicians. That was his hot take. Who knows if it's actually true, yeah. but you know, if you do go to a show, you know, there are the more reserved people that, you know, they might bob their head or, you know, whatever, but like Leland would all, he would always throw his elbows, get up to the very yes. front. If you were a particularly good band, He''d buy you a round of beer for the band. Like, I mean, yes. he was all in for you. And I think that's because he, you know, had a band growing up. Yeah. And, like, maybe he just kind of understood how how brave it is to get yeah. up there and to perform, um, regardless of how good you are or, you know, how you sound. And he was just so fun and encouraging and just like magnetic in that yeah. way where it, it didn't matter if you what you looked like you yeah. know you were gonna have a good time jumping around and dancing and yeah wooing with yeah. Leland well and it, he would it was like that it, anywhere there was live music like there yeah. was there was one beach trip which you didn't go to the beach there was a couple of years that you didn't go with us um because you had to work after Christmas but um 
I remember us being at, at Lulu's in Gulf Shores, Alabama, and there's, you know, live music. It's a restaurant, but there's just, there's somebody playing live music, which a lot of people kind of feel like is a nuisance or it's like, it's so loud. And um, he ordered his food and then he went and just literally danced in front of them. I love it. <laughs> like a hooligan. And he was like, Sarah, come dance with me. I was like, okay. <laughs> and we just literally were the only two people in the middle of this restaurant just dancing and having a good time. And there's something about that that I just love. And I did, I actually did this this past year on New Year's there. I was at this brewery with some friends and there was a band playing and they were doing a great job and um, I just wanted to dance. And so I was like, you know what? I'm wearing this fun sparkly dress. I'm just going to dance. And, um, you know, things like that are sweet ways for me to honor my brother. You know, even if I'm not telling everybody like, wait, my brother who died, we used to do this together. You know, it can just be a private thing for me where, you know what? This makes me think of my brother. This makes me feel close to him. He would dance like a hooligan. I just want to dance. And woo. And and woo. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's special. Anyway, I want to encourage you, if uh, if you're a grieving person, um, don't be afraid to tell a story about your person. If yeah. it feels comfortable, if it feels right for you, um, we just want to empower you to tell a story about them. Yeah. Even if it might make somebody a, a tiny bit uncomfortable to hear their name, it's okay. You can tell a story. Right. It's your person. It is your person. Those are your memories. And you're not responsible for how other people react. Absolutely. Remember that. Yeah. And that's what you have now. You yeah. know, if if you can't make new memories with your person, you can keep sharing old ones. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you're a support person or if you know somebody who's lost a, a, a person, reach out to them and share a memory with them. It mm-hmm. is so meaningful. People have done that for, for me and I think for you yeah. too, Suze. Yeah. And it is so meaningful because... I don't, I, I, obviously I didn't spend every day with him, you know, after we went to school, public school, and then we just kind of grew up, you know, there's a lot of years of memories I don't have with him. And so to get to hear from other people who, who do have memories with him during that time, it's, it is so special. I cannot emphasize how special that is for me to hear. Agreed. And, you know, I think that this is such a beautiful way, like I'm ending season one with a huge smile on my face, just thinking about those memories and it's the sadness and the grief still there. Absolutely. But there's also room for, for these happy memories too. And the smile and, um, just the joy that those memories bring. Um, so, uh, this is our official wrap up. Absolutely. Again, we want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, you know, as, as we take a a short little hiatus and prepare season two, um, you know, we, definitely still have our website. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so please feel free to reach out to us there. Um, we take those entries that we've received, we take them very seriously and, um, we, we hold them in our hearts and they are not forgotten and they're not overlooked. And, um, so we, we just want to say thank you to the people that have reached out. And, you know, if you want to reach out, just know that we're here for you. Um, and our website is uh, grieftalkpodcast.com. And um, you guys can also find us on Instagram at Grief Talk. And uh, we're just thankful for you guys. We are. Yeah. So thanks for joining us on season one of Grief Talk, the podcast where we talk about grief. Thanks, guys. Bye.